Jesus declares that God is the God of the living, not the dead. He, he is the God of people who live. We're going to study that in about five minutes. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And this program is called Bible Discovery TV as we discover what God has put together for us to read. Ryan is here. Corey's off today, but Ryan is here. Ryan, what's going on? Well, today I'm looking at a letter that apparently Jesus wrote, but which isn't recorded in the Bible. All right, very good. Excellent. Interesting. Janice? Catching Jesus. All right, so there we go. We're going to be talking about that in about 25 minutes. Also, Jim is with us. Jim Cantala. Hey. How you doing? Oh, I couldn't be better. Okay, that's very good. He's going to talk to us in a few minutes, and uh, we're going to be taking Mark 12 and listening to it and listening to what God has said. So take your Bible and your Bible guide. Let's open it up and let's hear what the Lord is saying today. Mark 12, 13-27 Then they sent to him some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to catch him in his words. When they had come, they said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and care about no one, for you do not regard the person of men, but teach the way of God in truth. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Shall we pay, or shall we not pay? But he, knowing their hypocrisy, said to them, Why do you test me? Bring me a denarius that I may see it. So they brought it. And he said to them, Whose image and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. And Jesus answered and said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God, the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. Then some Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him, and they asked him, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote to us that if a man's brother dies and leaves his wife behind and leaves no children, his brother should take his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and dying, he left no offspring. And the second took her, and he died. Nor did he leave any offspring. And the third likewise. So the seven had her and left no offspring. Last of all, the woman died also. Therefore in the resurrection, when they rise, whose wife will she be? for all seven had her as wife. Jesus answered and said to them, Are you not therefore mistaken, because you do not know the Scriptures nor the power of God? For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. But concerning the dead that they rise, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the burning bush passage, how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. You, therefore, are greatly mistaken. Mark 12, verses 13 through 27. 
Mark chapter 11 and chapter 12, that's what we study as we continue to go through the Bible. We're making advances towards Revelation, which is really, really good. You know, there's a big problem when theological questions about absolutes surface from theological leaders. It's a problem. You see, when I say absolutes, I mean elements of the faith that do not and cannot change. Now, theology is the study of God. God is always right, even if we don't understand him perfectly. When theological leaders begin to change God's absolutes, then the problem is their own. There's no way any earthly mind can truly understand all the details and meanings of God. If we think we do, then we have a pride problem. And pride is the one thing which gets us all caught up and stuck in our theological problems. Pride. Jesus Christ confronted the pride of the spiritual leaders directly when he challenged their understanding of eternity. Now, Living forever is not something that the human mind can capture and understand and make sense of. We need faith on understanding eternity. That's the only way we're truly going to understand it. And so, beloved, that's what we need to focus on today. Now, this is fascinating. Take your Bible guide and turn with me to today's reading, because as we look at this, we need to pray and ask the Lord to help us. If you don't have a Bible guide, you can call us or write us or go to Bible Discovery TV and get it. But listen, listen carefully, okay? Father, help us. Help us as we focus on this today. There, there are things in my heart and things that are not right with you. So Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, I would not listen to those things, but I would listen to your word, which changes my heart. And Holy Spirit, Thank you for continuing to change me. It's always a hard problem, the sanctification thing, but thank you for changing me in this time. And Lord, as we do this, teach us your way and show us your paths in Jesus' wonderful name. And we said together, amen. Mark chapter 12. That's the way we say it. Let's begin. Let's go down to verse 12 and get past it. Let's read in verse 13. Then they sent him, that's Jesus, some of the Pharisees, the separated ones, and the Herodians, the ones who worship Herod, to catch him in his words. And they had come, they said to him, listen, teacher, we know that you are true and you care about no one, for you do not regard <clears throat> the person of men, but teach the way of God in truth. It is lawful to, to, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Shall we pay or shall we not pay? This is fascinating because the Herod Herodians are here as well. But Jesus, knowing their hypocrisy, said to them, Why do you test me? Bring me a Daenerys that I may see it. And so they brought it. And he said to them, Whose image is on the inscription of this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And Jesus answered and said to them, Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God things that are God's. And they marveled at his teaching. Now, 
Remember, Jesus confronts the spiritual leaders regarding their lack of understanding. You see, beloved, the work of God comes through our heart. That's what Jesus was trying to illustrate. The work of God truly happens in our heart. And if our heart changes, then things change around us. We change from the inside out. So when we talk about the law and politics and the government and all that, we always talk about changing them. But what we need to do is look at ourselves, change ourselves so that the other things around us will change. They will take some time, but they'll change. Beloved, that's very important. Now, let's look at Mark chapter 12, verse 18. It says, Then some Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him, and they asked him, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote to us that if a man's brother dies and leaves his wife behind and leaves no children, his brother should take his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and dying, he left no offspring. And then the second took her, and he died, nor did he leave any offspring. And the third likewise. So the seven had her and left no offspring. Last of all, the woman died. Here's the question. Therefore, in the resurrection, when they rise, whose wife will she be? For all seven had her as wife. Well, Jesus answered and said to them, Are you not therefore mistaken because you do not know the scripture nor the power of God? For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given to marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. Do you understand that? Jesus confronts the leaders about a situation that they bring based on the law of Moses, beloved. We are only made holy through the work, the work of Jesus Christ in us. The work of Jesus Christ in us. And Jesus saw that they didn't understand that. And he says, you don't get it. <laughs> He's trying to explain to them the transformation from human to saint. The transformation to our eternal bodies. We didn't understand that. We relate everything to our personal body. But Jesus said, let me tell you something. It's different. Now, let's, let's go back to the scripture and learn what it says in 26 and 27. But concerning the dead that they rise, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the burning bush passage, how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the living, not the dead, or the God of not the dead, but of the living? You are therefore greatly mistaken. And Jesus Christ knew that. Jesus declares that God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Now, remember, we gain our eternal understanding by seeking Jesus Christ as Lord. When we seek Jesus Christ as Lord, the Holy Spirit works in us and our mind begins to change. And we, we begin to understand things that we did not know before. Because we grow spiritually, beloved, that, that's, that's the way Jesus Christ works. So when you invite Jesus Christ into your life, you grow. You change. You become better. You learn about the effects of sin. You learn about how to avoid it, staying away from temptation. You learn the power of reading the Bible and praying. You learn the power of the Holy Spirit, God's presence in your life. 
I pray today, Lord, that every person who hears this transmission, who hears this program on the internet, who sees this program and listens to it on radio, who does whatever, however they hear me, I pray, Lord, that they would hear and respond to you and say, yes, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. You are Lord. Forgive me of my sin, for you died and you rose again. I believe that. In Jesus' wonderful name, this is what we pray. And we said together, make it so. This character of King Saul, this historical figure. Now, I think it's probably fair to say that most of us, when we think of King Saul, we think of the bad guy foil to King David. But an entire book of the Bible is also dedicated to mostly his reign. Of course, that's 1 Samuel. So I'm really excited to jump into it today and see what we can learn about Saul. Welcome back to the program. Today, my segment is all about the evidence for the existence of Jesus Christ. See, although some scholars try very hard to deny the existence of Jesus, it's virtually impossible to do. And that's because even outside of the Bible, a great deal of evidence exists that confirms he did walk this earth. And today, I want to bring to your attention just one of those pieces of evidence. In particular, an exchange of letters between a ruler named Abgar and Jesus of Nazareth. And these come down to us from the famous church historian Eusebius. As Eusebius explains, these letters were found in the archives of Edessa. Take a look. Although unbelieving scholars have tried very hard over the years to deny the historical existence of Jesus Christ, including his life, death, and resurrection, this has proven very difficult, if not impossible. One of the main reasons for this is that several historical documents and ancient inscriptions attest to his life and confirm precisely what the Bible says of him. In fact, early writers, both Christian and non-Christian alike, confirm his existence. Some of these include Cornelius Tacitus, Suetonius, Pliny the Younger, Lucian of Samosata, Josephus, Julius Africanus, Phallus, as well as Eusebius, the famed church historian. As a matter of fact, Eusebius, in his work, The History of the Church, includes a copy of a letter written by King Abgar to Jesus. Abgar was a distinguished ruler of the nations beyond the Euphrates, and his letter was taken from the archives in Edessa and translated word for word. The letter reads, Abgar Uchema, Topark, to Jesus the Good Savior, who has appeared in the region of Jerusalem. Greetings. I have heard about you and your cures that you affect them without drugs or herbs. For word has it that you make the blind see, the lame walk, cleanse lepers, and cast out unclean spirits and demons, and that you cure those suffering from great illnesses and raise people from the dead. And having heard all this about you, I can conceive one of two possibilities, either that you are God, and having come down from heaven, you do all this, or that you who do this are a son of God. On account of this, therefore, I write, asking that you take the trouble to come to me and cure the ailment I have. I have heard, moreover, that the Jews murmur against you and plan to do you harm. My city is small yet honorable and enough for both of us. Apparently, this letter was sent to Jesus in Jerusalem via the courier Ananias. What's more, 
Jesus sent Abgar a letter in return by way of the same courier. His letter of reply reads, Blessed are you who have believed in me without having seen me. For it is written about me that those who have seen me will not believe in me, even in order that those who have not seen me will believe and shall live. But about what you wrote me, that I come to you, it is necessary to fulfill everything for which I was sent here, and after fulfilling it thus, to be taken up to the one who sent me. Yet once I am taken up, I will send one of my disciples to you in order to cure your ailment and to offer life to you and those with you. This exchange between Jesus and Abgar is just one of many pieces of evidence for the life of Jesus Christ. In truth, if these same liberal scholars who deny Jesus' existence applied the same arbitrary rejection of historical evidence to other ancient personages, such as Julius Caesar or Alexander the Great, then they would be forced to reject all history as myth. So try as they might, liberal scholars can't get rid of Jesus Christ. There's just too much evidence that he existed. And as I mentioned at the end of the segment there, other famous figures whose existence in history is never questioned by these same scholars have much less evidence that they walk the earth. So it's simply a willful rejection on these scholars' part that Jesus existed. Yeah, it's really interesting because every time you talk about Jesus Christ uh, outside of the Bible, uh, and, and whether in the Bible or not, they try to resist the idea that he ever was. And it's just yeah. really something, because it, why are they yeah. resisting? Yeah, and one of the mo most monumental works recently that's been released is by the, a detective, Warner Wallace, a book called Person of Interest. Yes. And I highly recommend that you all read that, because it's it just it's an amazing study on the life of Christ, uh, basically without using the New Testament at all. I'm actually reading that right so, now. Yeah. It's an excellent mm -hmm. book. Uh, very good. A former person who is in law enforcement and uh, all of that. Anyway, really interesting stuff. Janice. Well, I titled my segment today, Catching Jesus. And uh, the way I'm talking about it isn't really a good thing that we see displayed here. Um, we see in chapter 11 of Mark, just previous to what we read today, Jesus' authority is questioned. Uh, the chief priests and the scribes uh, and the elders of Israel come to question Jesus' authority and he speaks to them. And then he, he gives this parable of the wicked vine dressers. And everybody that's there, including these leaders, understand that Jesus is talking about them. And they're furious. They want to get their hands on Jesus, but they don't want to upset the crowd. So it's interesting that when we come to verse 13, it says, Then they sent to Jesus some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to catch him, to catch Jesus in his words. And so they start asking him a question about paying taxes to Caesar. Should we? Shouldn't we? What should we do? And Jesus already knows what their intent is. So he very wisely, as Jesus always does, he says, bring me a denarius. And he goes through this lesson with them very, very quick. And they get to the end of it, and it says here, let's see, in verse 17, and they marveled at him. They marveled at his answer. Every time they spoke to him, they couldn't catch him in his words. And you know what? It's the same thing with the Word of God. When we come to the Word of God, Ryan often, Ryan, you will bring to us um, things that seem something that they're not. Somebody will come to it with, oh, well, if you read here and you read here, and it, it, it doesn't agree. So this Bible, this, this must be wrong. And um, what we need to, to recognize, it, it's okay 
I have he uh, heard of, of many people who have come as a skeptic to the Word of God, coming to prove that it's wrong, that it's not, it's just a book, it's a bunch of fables, it's stuff thrown together, it's old, it's not relevant, and it's certainly not the Word of God. And they come to it, and as they begin to read through it, there, there comes a new dimension, because it's not just a book. It is the Word of God, it is living, it is active, and if you are willing to listen, if you are willing to hear the words that are in this book, because it was Jesus who came as the living word to us. So if we come to it and we, and we come to it and we consider and hear what Jesus is saying, we too, I believe, will marvel at these words. And you know what? We're not going to understand 100% of it. I know I don't. This is the 32nd year of this program going through the Bible, and every year I learn so many more things. And I am so appreciative of the Word of God, and that's why we as a family um, encourage you to have a, a time in this Word of God every single day, because it's just like eating, only better. Uh, Jesus is the bread of life. He is the living water. We don't just eat once during the week. We can't just go to church and hear the pastor and leave it up to him to give us the word of God. We need to be digesting it every day. I don't want to take any more time yeah. today because we have a very special guest who has been involved in so much ministry over the years. That Jim, good, you Jim. have. That's you good. have. What think you, Jim, who is the host of Jim Canwell <laughs> today and all that? What think you? What I think. Maybe what I think is not really the critical thing here. I think, and it sounds a little pompous, but I think it's what the Lord thinks. And I, I think we're all trying to uh, engage his thoughts. Mm. And there's no better place to do that than through the scripture, as you say, John. Um, here's the thing about the scripture. Uh, you can approach it critically, you know, and there's a lot to criticize. I mean, it's, it's it, this, the Bible was not created by a committee saying, now let's make sure we're all saying the same thing at the same time. With the gospels, you got four writers off, all singing off a sheet of paper in a different key. And the, one will give one detail, one will give another, de another detail, because this deal is details here and that detail is not there. We say, well, what's, you want them all to say the thing, say the same thing, the same way? But, you know, the four of us gather, okay, now let's make sure we write it exactly the same way, okay? Mm. Because if we don't, people will say we're not telling the truth. Mm. All four of us, if we were to witness some great event through the window right now, maybe a hurricane, <laughs> tornado, afterwards, we'd give four very interesting perspectives on what we've just seen. But the point is, it's what we saw that we're talking about. We're talking about the Lord here. The Lord has a way of revealing himself to us. And he does it in such a remarkable way that it actually grips our soul. So you can't read it academically, although you can, but it's not an academic book. It's a book where you're reading it, and God the Holy Spirit then does a number on you. He makes it alive for you. Like, whoa, what's up? Whoa, really? Oh, my goodness, I never thought of it that way before. Well, what's going on is the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Okay. And time and again, uh, people, you know, in, in, in the course, I've been in the ministry for 52 years, yikes. Um, people tell me, you know, Pastor, I, I was just reading something the other day in John, and... Uh, Man, it just hit me right between the eyes. It wasn't the words. 
It wasn't the paper. It wasn't the ink. It wasn't the leather of the book. It was God, the Holy Spirit, the alive, dynamic voice of God speaking directly to them and drawing them to himself. And that's why the Bible is such a, bo a book of genius, because it provides an opportunity for supernatural intervention. And when you read it that way, be prepared to have your life changed. Yeah, it's really true. Uh, and, and as you, as a, we go through the Bible, we've gone through 31 times now. 32 times. Oh my goodness, 32 wow. times. Yeah. And every time I read the Bible this year, I'm just completely humbled and leveled. Yeah. And I say, I, I didn't. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that the Holy Spirit is speaking because the thoughts of God, that's the Holy Spirit. He talks to you. And that's exactly what Well, my said. dad, uh, who was in the ministry for almost 60 years, uh, big old Homer, <laughs> who you knew very well, um, in the course of his life, right from when he was age 12 to when he died at 92, read through the Bible three times a year. So what's that yeah. amount to? And I, I, I remember him saying to me just, just a month before he died, I, I found him in, you know, out on, the, on the porch of uh, my sister's house. He's sitting there reading his Bible. I saw him doing this all the time. Jim, Jim, have you ever noticed this in Isaiah 52 before? I certainly haven't, he says to me. You know, you know when I was a kid, I got a minute, I used to deliver a morning newspaper in northern Ontario. I'd get up at 4.30 in the morning, black as pitch. 40 below outside in the wintertime. I'd come down to the exit, and there down in the basement, I would see him, was my father. And he'd be pacing back and forth, praying. He used to walk while he prayed. Okay. I'd come back after two hours of delivering papers. I'd look down, and he'd be kneeling at a chair that was right there with his Bible open, fast asleep. That was my dad. Yeah. He lived, he lived and ate, if you will, the Word of God. And it bore fruit in his life personally and in his life in ministry. I mean, the Word of God is dangerous. It will literally make you into a superman. <laughs> oh, that's good. Jim Canalon today is the television program. Make sure that you watch for that and uh, go to wowmissions.com or jimcanalontoday.com to get his book. He is an excellent minister and he's just great. <laughs>